The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode of 13. We want to start by thanking our new patrons. Heather Richards, Love WPD 141, Kilgore Mantrout. Great name. <laughs> Lauren Rich. Sierra Helterbrand, Nick, Jean, Brooke Smith, Julie Vaughn, Tiffany Sherrod, Gart Fartington. Another one. Great one. Tanya Madston, Camille Bailey, Diana Wasserman, Katie Carrot, Alina Carnes, Haley Harrington, Joshua, Rax, Andrea Escobar, Camel Pope, Julie Merritt, Ashley Erickson, Renee Cumming, Catherine Crony, Laura Davini, Serene De Silva, Melanie McQuan, Sarah Mullins, and Danny Sarb. You all have awesome names, and we couldn't do this without you. Our patrons get a second episode of 13 delivered directly to their patron-only RSS feed. You get access to a patron-only Discord server where you can chat with us and other fans of the show. You get bloopers, weekly updates, and more. Today is part three of our five-part September-October series. If you don't want to wait for the rest of the story, the entire thing is up now on Patreon. Find us at patreon.com slash 13pod. If you would like to submit a story to be performed on the show, email us at info at 13podcast.com and put story submission in the subject line. You can find our submission guidelines on our website, 13podcast.com. Look for the link in the show notes. For this episode, we're proud to have Kayla Temshiv returning to the show. You've heard Kayla on previous episodes of 13. You can find Kayla on TikTok at Keep It Spooky, where you'll find lots of hedgehog content. We got to meet Kayla's hedgehog in person while we recorded this series, and oh my god, look for a link in the show notes. Okay, get ready. Curl up and get comfy. Turn off the lights, and now, on with the show. When I got home, my mom called Val's parents to check on her. They said she had just arrived home, too. When she got off the phone, my mom told me that it must have been a misunderstanding. Val told her parents that I was the one who left her. I shouted her name through the church. I looked everywhere. She wasn't there. A part of me wanted to pick up the phone and call her myself, but I wouldn't even know where to begin. So I did nothing. That night before bed, my mom sat down and asked me what was wrong. She'd heard me getting up in the night, staying up. Why hadn't I been sleeping? I didn't know what to say. I couldn't tell her the truth. So instead, I told her that maybe the Tri-City Killer was getting into my head. She sat there for a long time, seemingly trying to formulate her thoughts into words. And then, 
with a look that told me she simultaneously believed me and didn't. She gave up. The next morning, my doorbell rang, and me and Val walked to school in silence. Up ahead, I saw Amy and Raven were leaving too, dressed in their normal all-black outfits. The tension was so heavy between me and Val that even they noticed we weren't speaking. Looks like there's trouble at Jesus camp. Val rolled her eyes and spun around. Shut up, Raven, or whatever your name is. No one cares what you think. Someone seems to care a whole lot about what I think. Val sped up to walk past them. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to be left behind, but I was also happy to be away from her and the unbearable tension between us. I stopped and pretended to look for something in my backpack. Val didn't stop. Surprise, she left me alone again. Amy and Raven passed by me too. Neither of them acknowledged me as they went by. I let them all go and started walking again. We weren't supposed to be walking alone, but I was close enough that if something happened, they'd hear me yell or scream or something, and still far enough back that I was separated from them. I still didn't like it. I felt exposed. A couple minutes passed when I saw Amy look back over her shoulder. She said something to Raven, and then they both stopped. I slowed down. Oh no. How could this morning get any worse? Hang on. She's by herself. Amy turned around and motioned to me. Come on. You shouldn't walk by yourself. I hesitated, but just for a moment. I must have looked like a deer in headlights. She wants to be alone. Let's just go. No, no. Hang on. I ran to catch up with them. Thanks. We're having a fight, I guess. Me and Val. Raven spoke up. Look, you can walk with us, but we don't care about the drama in Jesus camp. We walked a few moments in silence. Then Raven spoke up again. Okay, actually, never mind. I'm dying to know. Why are you two so pissed at each other? She left me alone at church last night. Some of us go to the church and hang out there after school. Yeah, everyone knows. You're all weird and culty like that. You know what? Never mind. No, I'm sorry. Keep going. I waited a moment, gauging whether she was just going to make fun of me again. She probably was. But I realized I didn't have anyone else to talk to about Val. All my friends were youth group kids, and it'd be like asking them to pick sides. What's the worst that could happen? Amy and Raven and all their friends already didn't like us. So I went on. She left me there alone at the end of the night. We're not supposed to leave each other while the Tri-City Killer is still on the loose. At least you were inside the church. Those were the first words Amy had spoken to me in years. Aside from, keep up so you don't get murdered a few minutes ago. It felt a little surreal. A little bit of a knot welled up in my throat, but I forced it down. 
Val left the door open when she left. It was cracked. Anyone could have come in. She did what? Yeah, that's really fucked up. She says she didn't, but I looked all over and I couldn't find her. And I don't know. I thought I heard someone, but they wouldn't answer me. Did you hear someone or not? I don't know. It was like footsteps and maybe a door. A thought suddenly came to mind. I remembered the last time Val and Raven had yelled at each other. Why don't you go worship the devil or whatever you do? Maybe we will. This was 1998. Some people had the internet in their homes, but not everyone. You couldn't just look things up like you can now. I'd been trying to figure out if I was being stalked by a demon. If something was trying to possess me, or worse, if it already had and I didn't know it. All of that anxiety from years ago in Amy's basement, the fear that my prayers hadn't worked. I knew I was going to regret it, but when would I have another opportunity like this? So I asked a question. So, what do you all know about demons? Okay, I think we're done talking. It's okay, I won't tell anyone, I promise. If you all worship the devil or whatever, I won't say anything. If this is your way of changing the subject so you can preach to us, we'll leave you behind again. No, that's not it, I promise. It's just that I... I think I might have a demon. It's like, attached to me, or stalking me, I don't know. It's been going on for a while. I think it goes all the way back to that night in the sixth grade. Amy gave me a look that said, don't you dare, but I kept going anyway. You know, like when we used to watch The Craft and pretend to do the witchy things in the movie. Wait, what? I'll tell you later. I've been seeing things in mirrors and I can manipulate smoke. Amy's face changed. Whoa, Caitlin, I don't think you know what you're talking about. I don't want to be like this. All of the books about demons don't tell you how to get rid of them, just how to keep yourself from getting them. Because it's not real. It's all about control. I heard her, but I kept going. I think it has something to do with the church. I don't know. Maybe it's because I made out with Cam in the walk through hell. Wait, that was real? I've needed to tell someone for a long time. And I can't say anything to anyone I know. But you all don't want to hear this. Maybe I should schedule a meeting with Youth Pastor Tom. No, hey, listen to me. Don't be alone with him, okay? He's not who you think he is. I was a little taken back. I looked for Val, but she'd gotten ahead of us and was out of sight. Amy and Raven seemed to be having a silent conversation. Was he there that night when Val left you? I don't think so. I didn't really look at the parking lot, so I don't know if his car was there. We were almost to school. Okay, we're close enough now. I think it's safe. Oh, yeah, right. No offense, we don't want our friends to see you with us. I'd have been insulted, except I had the exact same thought about them. 
It's been fun, Caitlin. Hope things work out in Jesus' camp. Before they started to walk away, Amy looked over her shoulder. Don't be alone with him. Seriously. It took a couple more minutes to get to the front of the building. Outside the main entrance, Val was standing there, waiting for me. Where have you been? Why didn't you keep up? I walked right past her, without saying a word. That night, I had another dream. I was wandering through the adult side of the church. The lights were off. I was alone. The proportions of the building were all wrong. The hallways were longer and wider than in real life. I felt like I was floating right down the center of them. Dim, bluish light came in through the windows, giving the whole place a magical feeling. I came around a turn, and in front of me, the new sanctuary. Inside, pouring through the big glass wall behind the baptistry, that same magical blue light. The next thing I know, I'm up in the tech booth, where I'd been in my fantasy with Cam. It happens instantly, with no recollection of climbing the stairs. I'm looking out over the space, taking in the quiet beauty of it. And that's when I notice her, down in the front. I see someone my age sitting in the front row of pews. It's Val. She's alone. And it looks like she's praying. The glow of the forever candles on the altar makes it look like she's shining. In my dream, I'm not angry with her. I look at her from behind, just feeling affection for my oldest friend. But then I notice movement. At the back of the sanctuary, almost directly below me, I see it. The dark figure. He makes his way down the aisle toward the front, slowly, but with purpose. I felt my breathing pick up, and I tried to shout Valerie's name, but my voice just wouldn't come. I tried to find something to make noise, but my arms and legs became jelly. Val was completely oblivious to both of us, to me and to the figure approaching her. I tried to shout again, nothing. He was just steps away from her now, and finally she saw him. I watched as she jumped and startled, but then she froze, staring at him as he continued his approach. She backed up slowly, climbing the wraparound stairs on the stage. He followed her up, keeping pace with her, and then she was cornered against the back wall. I was still trying to scream, but now, instead of warning, they were just screams of terror. When he reached her, he put out a hand and pressed it against her chest. All of a sudden, she was bleeding. It was coming from all over. What looked like a dozen different injuries appeared instantly. She was trying to scream for help, but I could tell it was too late. 
She was losing so much blood. She started to slump down the wall. And then I realized that she'd been looking right at me the whole time. Our eyes met. I was going to be the last thing she saw. And then the figure, satisfied with his work, turned his back on Valerie and raised his head. It was the same fuzzy, blurry mass that I'd seen in my fantasy. He looked up to the tech booth, looked up to me, and then I heard an ear-piercing scream. The scream I'd heard in my dream was my own voice, screaming in real life. My dad came rushing into my bedroom. I was lightheaded and hyperventilating. It was only a nightmare, but it had been so horrible, and I felt so guilty. Perhaps this was God's way of telling me that I needed to get over it and forgive Val. After all, there's a killer out there. And what if one of us was next? What if she died thinking I hated her? I laid awake the rest of the night. I was traumatized by the dream. I tried to put on one of my worship CDs, but it just reminded me of the music they play around the clock in the sanctuary. And that reminded me of the dream. The problem with believing in spiritual warfare is that almost anything can look like spiritual warfare. The idea that demons and dark spirits are at war with God over your soul, that can manifest in a million different ways. Was I dreaming about a demon murdering my best friend because there's a demon influencing me? Or worse, already living inside me? Or is it the anxiety that comes with living in an area with an active serial killer? even down to the worship music. Does it remind me of the dream? Or is that discomfort happening because my demon doesn't like it? There's no way to tell, so I have to assume the worst. And I need to figure out how to get rid of it. I made up my mind that despite what Amy said, I was going to schedule a meeting with Youth Pastor Tom. My eyes were wide open when my alarm went off. When the doorbell rang, it was Val. I told her that I wanted to talk, and we worked things out on the way to school. When we got to church after school, I was relieved to see Youth Pastor Tom was still there. Me and Val worked on the sets for the walk through hell. The boys were putting up the paper walls in the hell cave. I found a moment to approach Youth Pastor Tom without drawing attention to myself, but he seemed preoccupied. I wouldn't spend a lot of time worrying about it. You're a believer. As long as you're doing the right things, God will protect you from anything like that. I tried to ask some more specific questions. Are there any books he could recommend or parts of the Bible that he thought could be helpful? Hey, if this is really bothering you, we can schedule a one-on-one -on -one later this week. 
Across the room, Miss Hart walked in and tried to get his attention. She was more or less his second-in-command when it came to the youth group, although she wasn't able to have an actual leadership role. But she handled more sensitive conversations with the girls, and her daughter hosted sleepovers at their house. Before I had a chance to set up a one-on-one, he excused himself and made his way over to Miss Hart. I had the same dream the next night. For a second night, I laid awake. As the morning light started to creep through my window, I raised myself out of bed, exhausted and overwhelmed at the prospect of the day ahead of me. I managed to stay awake through all of my classes. After last period, I ducked into the restroom before meeting up with the other youth group kids to walk to the church. I washed my hands and looked up into the mirror. I don't know what it is, but I can feel it when it's about to come on. A sensation in the back of my eyes. In the mirror, I looked wrong. My nose and eyes were different, like another face layered over mine. Normally, I would be panicking, but I just didn't have the energy. I stared into my altered face, and then I heard a voice. Hey kid, you fall asleep over there? I hadn't seen Raven walk in. I looked back at the mirror, and my face was mine again. I must have spaced out for a minute. Did you and Valerie make up? It must have been the exhaustion, because I wouldn't ordinarily say what came next. What do you know about demons? Whoa, demons? What's going on with you? Even as it was happening, I hated myself. But the dam burst, and everything came pouring out. I don't know what's wrong. Something is happening to me, and I'm afraid it's going to win, and I'm not good enough to keep it away, and no one will believe, and I'm so alone all the time, and even youth pastor Tom doesn't want to talk to me. you know that we're, like, not friends, right? I don't know what to do, and I don't know how to make it stop. I just kept going. You know, I normally wouldn't care, but... If Amy said you should stay away from that guy, you should listen to her. What guy? Your youth pastor. He's got slimy energy. I don't like it, and I've never even met the guy. She looked at me for a moment, made a deep sigh, and then went on. You know what? I'm weirdly invested in this drama. Are you going to church now? I told her I was. She said that they'd meet me there in a couple hours. Amy had been talking about it, too, trying to help me with my demon situation. I don't really want to see anyone else there. What's the best way to get in? I told her that most of the other youth group kids leave around five, and there's a back door to the old sanctuary. I could meet them there. I don't know where that is. Amy will know. As 5 p.m. approached, parents started showing up to pick up their kids. I was able to find a moment to sneak away to the old part of the building, away from the others. 
I made my way to the back door behind the old sanctuary. When we were kids, Amy and I used to go out the back door and run opposite directions around the church, racing to see who could get all the way around to the front door first. It feels like yesterday, and at the same time, it feels like a very long time ago. I opened the door and looked in both directions. No one. They didn't come. I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was almost relieved. All day, I'd been worried about getting caught sneaking them in. Not that I'd get in trouble, but I'm embarrassed to say it. Just like Raven didn't want her friends to see us walking up to school together, I don't want my friends to see me with them. I was about to close the door when I saw movement out of the corner of my eye. I almost didn't recognize them. They weren't dressed in their usual all-black clothes. They were dressed normal, except Raven was still wearing her boots. Were they taking this more seriously than I'd thought? Raven spoke up first. Hey kid, still feeling possessed? Maybe not. Amy and I turned and shushed her at the same time, recoiling at her voice in the quiet space. I lowered my own voice. Everyone is just over there. I gestured toward the youth wing. I don't want anyone to see me here, either. Sorry. Let's get on with it, then. We would have to walk through the Hell Cave to get around the old sanctuary. I led them to the entrance, checked to make sure no one in the youth building was looking, and then we ducked into the long hallway. In each station where one or more of the youth group kids would be cowering in fear and torment, there was a sin written over them on the wall. They were spaced about 10 feet apart. What's all this? I didn't want to be made fun of, so I didn't answer. We just kept going. We passed by all the big sins. Murder, pride, lust. Amy and Raven giggled and caught each other's eyes as we passed blasphemy. As we made our way toward the end of the hallway, one of them caught Raven's eye. Why is gossip a sin? Because it divides people. Amy smirked. Gossip is a sin because the Bible was written by men, and when women have no power, gossip is a way to survive. If women tell each other which men are dangerous or who can't be trusted, then they have power. Outlawing gossip is about keeping women powerless. I managed to suppress an eye roll. I just wanted to get to the sanctuary and get this over with. We got through the Hell Cave and made our way to the new adult side of the building. After a couple of turns, we were standing in front of the big sanctuary. So what's the plan? Amy and Raven just looked at each other. Do you have a plan? Is there something you do to figure out the demon's name or what it wants? Okay, so all joking aside, I was just bored and thought doing some blasphemy in a church would be fun. But honestly, this place is creepy as hell. Amy gave me a look. She doesn't like big open spaces. We stepped out of the sanctuary by the door to the tech booth, where I was in my fantasies about Cam, and again in my nightmares about Val being murdered. 
There was a moment of awkward silence before Amy spoke up. Look, I think I might know what's going on, but I think it might not be what you think it is. It might be worse. She didn't get a chance to finish. Down the hall, we heard the sound of footsteps. Raven moved so fast, I almost didn't register it. She darted through the door to the tech booth. But Amy and I, we froze, staring in the direction of the footsteps, like kids who knew it'd be worse to run than just to face up to it. In my mind, I saw that figure in black, but I knew that couldn't be it. Nonetheless, I wanted to run, and then the footsteps made it around the corner. It was Youth Pastor Tom. He gave us a confused look, and then I could see it clicking. It was like flipping a switch. He recognized Amy. He greeted her warmly, and she gave him a nervous little hello. She seemed to shrink in his presence. The cavalier girl who didn't care what anyone thought was gone, and the girl who remained was deeply uncomfortable. We both stood there, awkward and meek, while youth pastor Tom asked what we were doing. I told him we were talking at school and I was just showing her how the building had changed. She nodded along, and after a moment, she turned and gave me a look. Well, I have to go. See you at school. Youth Pastor Tom said it was great to see her again. She gave an awkward little wave and walked around the corner, back toward the old building. I was suddenly aware that Raven was still behind the door to the tech booth. I stood there for a moment unsure what to do or say until Youth Pastor Tom spoke up. You know, it's great that you're trying to get her involved in church again, and the walk through hell is a great way to do that. But you have to remember to be careful about the company you keep. Sometimes, they can be more of an influence on you than you are on them. I barely registered what he was saying. All I could think about was that Raven could hear him from behind the door. My mind was also still focused on Amy. As she was leaving, she did something that I didn't expect. She gave me a look. A look that every woman knows. A look summed up in one word. Danger. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 13. If you like what you heard, stop what you're doing and leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This was The Fall of 98 Part 3, Satanic Panic. Written by Ian Epperson. Narrated by me, Brooke Jeanette. Val was Shelby Scott. Youth Pastor Tom was Ian Epperson. Raven is L. Woolery. Amy is Kayla Temshiv. Music, editing, and sound design by Caleb Ritchie, with a major assist from Josiah Knight and Bridget Howard. Our producer-level patrons are Rick Linville, Tattooed Fox, Rhiannon, Sean Geary, Anthony Diaz, Paul Doyle, Amy Harper, Delta Tango, Jackie Kay, 
Taylor Crabb, Chantel Payne, and Nick. Thank you so much for your support. Our patrons get access to an exclusive Discord channel to chat with the creators of the show, and they get a second monthly reading. There's merch, bloopers, behind-the-scenes content, and weekly updates on the show. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at some version of 13Pod or Pod13. Just look for the logo. We'll have links in the show notes. If you'd like to submit a story to be performed on the show, or if you'd like to contact us about anything else, get in touch at info at 13podcast.com. You can find that in the show notes too. Bridget Howard is waiting by the back door. Thanks for listening. See you on October 4th.